And welcome back. Coming up this hour, it is finally, finally here. Contact tracing. We've been talking about this app for some time now and just how important it is for we're all in the battle against this pandemic. Now, this uh, app, this contact tracing app, was supposed to be released by the government nearly three weeks ago, the beginning of the month, and tested here in the province, here in Ontario. It has finally been released, and they would like you to download the app, try it out. We're going to talk to our tech expert, Adam Oldfield, about it, because there's been a lot of concerns, mostly around privacy, regarding uh, this app and whether or not you should have it on your phone and whether or not it is actually going to help us in the battle against uh, COVID-19. So that's coming up. And also, speaking of the pandemic, of course, there's been so many facets of our life that have really been altered or changed thanks to COVID-19. Not the least of which, of course, a lot of us think are ordering takeout more. We're using food delivery services. And with that, of course, comes more of a reliance on, more of a use of single-use plastics. And we're going to talk about that. You know, cutlery like uh, forks and knives and plastic shopping bags. What you can do to reduce your use of single-use pl- plastics. be honest with you, this really hit me and hit me hard uh, a few years back. Uh, I was on a vacation down in uh, Belize, and one day we all went out uh, kayaking, kayaking on the ocean, beautiful water, you know, that blue-blue water, this nice uh, reef, and we're just kayaking along, taking in the scenery, and you go around one corner, and then all of a sudden we're just hit with all of this plastic. There's plastic bottles, just all kinds of plastic in the ocean, and we are talking to some of the locals there afterwards, and they were saying, yeah, it's sadly now a regular occurrence, and it really does have an effect on marine life, sea life, sea animals. And just really, for me, underlined the problems with single-use plastic and what we can do to, again, reduce that in our lives. We're going to talk about that coming up in the next 10 minutes. But first, it was back in 2018, Toronto was set to proceed with the downtown relief line. Now, it was supposed to stretch from Pape to Queen Station, but when the Ford government came to power, they shelved the relief line for their own Ontario line. That was one year ago, nearly one year ago to the day. So where does the Ontario line stand now, some 365 days later? Let's ask Peter Tabbins, energy critic for the Ontario NDP. He's on the line and joins us now here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Peter, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Nice to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Well, nice to have you back. Uh, A year later, where do things stand with this Ontario line? Well, a year later, and the transit we desperately need is going to be pushed back even further than we feared when the Premier cancelled the relief line. Uh, He came out with his plan a year ago, his initial business case. He showed his whole Ontario line from Don Mills and Eglinton down to the CNE up and running by 2027. And he said part of the reason we need it is, you know, that relief line, it wouldn't be ready till 2029. Well, it's now clear that they've got big delays. They're not going to meet the 2027 deadline. I'm not even sure they'll have it built before 2030. So people desperately need that transit. You know that the the Bloor-Danforth line is packed. When people get to Young and Bloor, sometimes it's just scary. It's so packed. And if, in fact, he had not canceled that relief line and gone ahead with it, we'd probably be well under construction now, and people would have some hope that within this decade, they would be able to take an alternative to the Young Line to get downtown. Uh, We'd have a better situation economically because we know that the gridlock in this city is really holding us up, and people would have some confidence, some assurance that they'd be able to get to work on time. Uh, What we have now is 
a line that I think will become increasingly controversial. Uh, as you're well aware, big chunks of this line, which is supposed to be a subway, are going to be running above ground. Uh, and in my riding, right through the middle of a residential district with some houses only about 20, 20 meters to 30 meters away. Uh, and you're going to have trains going past them every 45 seconds. It's going to be very tough on people. Uh, All right. Sure. So it looks like uh, we've got some delays going on here. As you mentioned, there's, uh, you know, some problems, perhaps uh, at least some objections to the construction, half of it uh, above ground, half of it underground. Do we know, Peter, what the true costs of the Ontario line are? Or if even we can still afford it with all the spending that's uh, been done and had to been done with the pandemic? Well, nobody knows what it's really going to cost. The, the estimate that came out last summer, last July, was a little over $11 billion. But when you looked at the fine print, they said this is a rough estimate. It could be out by 100%. So it could be $20 billion. No one actually knows at this point, Jeff. And as far as we can tell, no one's actually costed the alternatives uh, to what's been brought forward. So, no, we don't know what it's going to cost. And no, we don't know if we can afford it at this point. I, I do know that the city desperately needs transit. And I know my community wants transit. They just want it done right. Okay, the uh, provincial government did sign a deal, Peter, with the city of Toronto last fall, but they've pretty much ignored that. Is that right? Yeah, as far as we can can tell, they've ignored it. They were supposed to look at uh, how they would deal with the noise problems in my riding. They were going to make sure that this was integrated in the TTC, that TTC would be running things. As far as we can tell, that's all been set aside. And that's pretty upsetting, particularly for my council colleagues who had a very tough uh, deal to work their way through and felt that, okay, with these modifications, we've got something that may be workable. Uh, but we don't even know yet if a person can transfer from the Bloor-Danforth line onto this Ontario line without paying another fare. We literally do not know. So I, I would say that so far the management of this whole project has been really poor and upsetting to people who need the transit or who are upset about the way it's being done. Okay, what are you hearing from residents in your riding? Are they just getting fed up? Are they uh, sick of this? And what does all of this mean, these delays mean for commuters in that area? Well, in terms of my constituents, they're very frustrated and very angry. Uh, they feel that the consultations and the information sessions provided by Metrolinx, which really is just doing what the provincial government wants done, uh, have been totally inadequate. And I have to agree with them. You can't ask any really complex question. You can't really drill down into it before you find that, no, they don't have the answer. They don't know what things will cost. They don't know where things will be rooted. Uh, and people don't like this air of uncertainty. And they don't like the idea that this whole project has been going ahead without really consulting them about the route and the conditions. Um, what it means for commuters, and this is frustrating as well, is people are desperate to be able to get to work on time. Uh, and I know people on the, the Bloor-Danforth subway uh, stuck in a subway station waiting for train after train to pass so they can get a seat, or on the Queen streetcar, having streetcar after streetcar pass them that's packed to the rafters. They just want the province to sort this out, get it done right, and get moving. And the idea that it's going to be pushed back even further from the most recent estimates they've given us just makes people crazy. Yeah, the projected completion date, as you mentioned, for the line was 2027, but you believe that that's unattainable, that that's in jeopardy? Yeah, well, we just found out a few months ago that the 
uh, about a third of the line um, from Girard Street, so just south of Danforth, all the way up to Eglinton, the contract won't even be signed until 2023 or 2024. Uh, you're not going to build all the way from Danforth up to Eglinton and Don Mills in three years and have things done. Ain't going to happen. So a lot of people said when Ford came out with this timeline, uh, it's going to be at least a decade before this gets built. And they were right. It's going to be at least a decade and could be longer. All right, then, Peter, where do we go from here? I mean, uh, what's the answer? I mean, we've got, as you mentioned, residents in the area, upset commuters that need uh, reliable public uh, transit. What's the solution? Well, Jeff, I, I think there are a few things that the government could do that would make a real difference. First, sit down with the communities that are affected and have real consultations um, and deal with the problems that they face. And I, I think that would go a long way to, to building trust. Secondly, They've set things up in a public-private partnership, which means the design work doesn't happen until further down the road. Well, they could bring that all back in-house, have Metrolink actually design this whole system, and then put that out to tender. I think that would speed things up. And I, I think those two things are key to them actually getting this thing built in our lifetimes. Uh, I would like to see it built because I want to be able, people want to be able to get to work. Yeah. Do you cut the government any slack because of the pandemic and what's uh, been happening and the fact that obviously their attention has been uh, rightly so on that and maybe not the uh, Ontario line and that uh, it's been delayed because of that? Or do you think these delays would have happened regardless of what went on with COVID? Yeah, I don't think it had anything to do with COVID, to be honest with you. Uh, this was a priority project that was exempt from all kinds of restrictions uh, right through the peak of the pandemic, we had trucks, drill rigs on the streets in my riding doing core sampling. Uh, the geotechnical work never stopped. And I, I think, frankly, uh, that COVID was not a relevant factor for them. But honestly, if they had last August said, okay, we're going to design this thing, um, we'll get a design out and we'll get bids on it, and we'll get the whole thing underway in a reasonable amount of time, I think they would have been much further ahead. But this, this whole thing of contracting out or turning over all the design work to a private company, all the finance, everything, it's going to be more expensive and it's going to be slower. And that is a huge problem for Toronto. All right. It's a year to the day. And as you mentioned, the clock is ticking. 2027, oh, although yeah. it sounds futuristic, <laughs> is not that far <laughs> off particularly when we talk about a project of this magnitude. Peter Tabbins with the Ontario NDP. Peter, thanks as always. Appreciate it and enjoy your weekend.